0: Love and Haste, by Andrew Coulter. Chapter 14. Friends? Erm, yeah, okay. Seeing Charlie's borrowed car being stolen had scared Sam more than he wanted to let on. It was further proof that he was in a country that was very strange to him, and he was probably out of his depth. The last thing he needed was an enemy, and the first thing he needed was a friend. Charlie was annoyed with herself for leaping at the chance to borrow Bill's Jaguar, but for now, Sam could be useful for her, especially because she'd lost her $1,000 expenses fund, so she decided to let Sam think that she was on his side. While Sam was prodding buttons on the dashboard trying to get some heat, Charlie looked at the reflection of his face in the rearview mirror. He looked pretty harmless, almost childlike and feckless to her eyes. Maybe they could be actual friends instead of just pretend friends. Although... She knew she was probably the only one doing the pretending. Come on friend, let's hit the road to New Bedford. With Charlie still sat in the back of the car, Sam started the engine and put the car in gear. But they hadn't lurched more than a few feet forward before they both realised something was very wrong. Sam wasn't gifted with mechanical sympathy. In fact, the case of his old Mercedes, the phrase mechanical angst would be closer to the truth. Even he knew that cars aren't supposed to make a sound like a rolling pin being dragged down a stone wall. Charlie grabbed hold of the back of Sam's seat and used it to pull herself forward into the gap between the two front seats. What's wrong with the car? Could you be a darling and find out what's up? Just hop out. Charlie's voice was strained high with the effort of not accusing Sam of being a moron. She considered rephrasing the question so it didn't sound so aggressive, but Sam didn't give her the chance. I'll get out and find out what's up, shall I? Charlie nodded, and she forced a smile, but was wondering what kind of simpleton she'd got herself stuck with. Of course, she wanted him to get out and find out what's wrong with the car. That's why she'd asked him to get out and find out what's wrong with the car. Jeez, what a dumbass. Charlie watched as Sam rustled his way out of his seat. He swung the door hard as if he was going to slam it, but then something caught his eye and distracted him. He let go of the door handle and crouched down by the front wheel for a moment. He stood up again and snapped his head round to look at the back wheel. King! Sam stretched out both arms and steadied himself on the roof of the car, then pulled himself past Charlie's door around to the back of the car, kind of like how a kid trying to ice skate for the first time finds their way around the edge of a rink. Charlie twisted on the back seat to watch as Sam crouched below the level of the window. Charlie pushed her bag into the footwell, slid across the seat and pushed her forehead against the cold window trying to see what Sam was doing. She couldn't tell what he was up to, but even the top of his head looked angry. No! Sam was standing bold upright again. He was slowly pacing backwards away from the car, muttering to himself, BASTARD! Charlie recalled from the window. Sam balled his fists and slammed them into his hips and he yelled again. Even through the dim light she could see his anger wasn't directed at her, but she was suddenly worried about being alone in the dark with a very angry Englishman. With her left hand she fumbled in her bag and found the can of mace she always travelled with, and with her right hand she leant past the edge of the passenger seat and activated the car's central locking this was a side of Sam that was new to her. He was furious and his treasure hunt was starting to feel a lot less like a game. Sam stomped back to the car and finding it locked his shoulders dropped and Charlie would later swear that he saw his bottom lip quiver a little bit. He cupped his hand around his eyes and peered into the car. Charlie could see that he looked more defeated than deliriously dangerous. He looked like he might cry or was that just the cold wind making his eyes water? "'Charlie, I'm sorry. Can you let me in, please?' His voice was calm. Not calm like a psychopath, but calm like a disappointed child. Charlie didn't feel threatened, but slipped the can of mace into her jacket pocket just in case. Once inside the car, Sam explained, "'That bastard Curtis must have slashed our tires. "'I can't believe it. What did he think we were going to do, chase him?' Charlie knew it wasn't a real question. She didn't try and answer it. "'Oh, God, what are we going to do now?' Charlie slowly raised her hand, and was about to place it on Sam's shoulder for reassurance, but he turned to face her, catching her out and making her feel a little bit foolish. "'What are we going to do for food? I'm really hungry, and I don't know what to buy at that little shop.' Charlie laughed, as much out of relief as surprise. So, maybe Sam was like all men, always thinking of his stomach. "'I take it you have grocery stores like in Britain?' Uh, "'Well, yeah, of course, but the stuff you sell here is, well, really weird.' Charlie shrugged and gave Sam the benefit of a relaxed smile. He knew what it meant. And he'd seen that smile enough times when he'd said something daft to girlfriends in the past. It's a smile that says, never mind. Life can be confusing. But you just soldier on, special guy. You'll get there. I'll show you what I mean. Sam reached into the grocery bags he had in the passenger footwell and started pulling out jars of marshmallow fluff, luminous coloured sodas and other packets of things he didn't claim belonged to any food group he'd ever heard of before. Charlie laughed along at the absurdity of all the bizarre foods that Sam had bought from the store. She just couldn't believe that just a few moments ago she was worried he might be dangerous. But right now, he looks more like an excited kid at a show-and-tell than a violent, tempered lunatic. The worst bit about this is I only bought this crap because I thought it'd be rude to ask for directions without buying something from the shop first. Oh boy, have you ever got a lot to learn about America? Do you mind if I help myself? Sam waved his hand over the jumble of bright packages now filling the passenger seat. Mi casa est your casa. Uh, Do you even know what that means? No, do you? I have no idea. Charlie grabbed a jar of strawberry marshmallow fluff and a pack of chocolate cookies. Sam grimaced as she dipped a cookie into the bright pink goo and stuffed it into her mouth hole. She'd never normally eat like that in front of a man, but Sam wasn't exactly someone who she was trying to impress. What? judge mix really good, she said once she'd managed to swallow. She dipped another cookie in and self-consciously licked a dollop of pink goo off before it fell on the jacket. Why was Sam still watching her eat? So what are we going to do about the car? Sam shrugged. He was too distracted by the sight of the tip of Charlie's tongue casually tracing the outline of another cookie as she licked off more marshmallow fluff. Come on, you can't sneer at me like that till you've tried one of these. They're really good. Sam raised his hand to decline, but Charlie misunderstood the gesture and quickly dipped a cookie in the jar and thrust it into his hand. Urgh! Sam pulled his hand back, but the cookie was stuck firm, and even when he turned his hand upside down to try and shake it off, it still stuck. Well, I am hungry, I suppose. So, do you have a cell phone? I left mine in the jag, along with my money. Charlie put a hand over her mouth and raised her eyes to face Sam, surprised by what she had just said, although not anywhere near as surprised as Sam was. I do have a cell phone, but it's only for emergencies. It's on a UK contract, you see. Sam. Mate. Unless you want to spend the rest of the night eating marshmallow fluff and... She picked a soda at random and squinted at the label in the dim light of the car's interior light. Unless you really do want to drink this can of caffeinated kiwi soda, I think this counts as an emergency. For my teeth, if nothing else. Which in his only funny little way was Sam's way of agreeing. As he fumbled around trying to remember which coat pocket had stashed his phone and he realised just how weird this situation was. Surely Charlie and him should be a lot more stressed. Weren't they supposed to be rivals? He'd known from the start that he was only really here in America for a bit of a laugh and a little bit of an adventure. But Charlie appeared to really want that million dollars. So why was she being so easygoing about this evening's setbacks? Charlie sat in the back staring out for a side window. She was wondering exactly the same thing. Sorry to interrupt and talk over the pretty music, um, which I made. But I just want to explain that if you've heard this podcast and enjoyed it, then please subscribe and please do all the rating and all that stuff that everyone tells everyone to do these days. I thought it might be worth explaining as well that my podcast comes in two flavours. You've just heard Season 2, which is me reading a novel. So obviously listen to it in order if you want it to make more sense than it would do if you didn't. The Other Flavor, Season 1, runs concurrently and is based on mostly interviews and conversations with inspiring and interesting people with interesting things to say. So subscribe and you get both flavors. How good is that? Right, please like, subscribe and all the stuff that every other podcast host in the world asks you to do. I know everyone asks you to do it, but it's because it makes a huge difference. If you enjoy this, then just please tell people. Please have a look at my alarmingly crappy website andrewculture.com. I should also point out it's deliberately crappy, I do this stuff professionally, so it's my own odd sense of humor. Anyway, I'm just rattling on about a ton of crap now, let's put the pretty music back on for a second.